there, welcome back to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a more compassionate plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts, Vicki. And this is Larissa. In this episode of the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, we are pleased to welcome Doug Evans. Now, Doug is an entrepreneur who was an early pioneer in the natural food industry. He will be talking to us today about a book he put out called The Sprout Book. And Doug talks all about sprouts and how we can tap into the power of the planet's most nutritious foods. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Vicki. Hey, Larissa, what's up? I was just wondering, is there a cool place where I could find some awesome vegetarian and vegan merch? Ah, well, look no further than the Vegetarian Zen Swag Shop. Ooh, awesome. Where you can find all sorts of plant-based swag for your bod and your abode. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, onesies for that little baby, phone cases, totes, mugs, pens, wall art, and more. We have a wide variety of designs, which includes our famous Yin Yang Peas and Carrots logo. What up, Peas and Carrots? <laughs> but other designs as well, like Living Life on the Veg, Powered by Plants, Keep Calm, Plants Have Protein, Be Kind to Every Kind, and lots more cute sayings in animal graphics. To check out the new shop, head out to vegetarianzen.com forward slash store. And remember, whenever you buy from us, you're supporting a plant-based small business. And also, all the designs in our shop were created by independent artists. It's a win-win-win. And now, back to the show. All right, are we ready to get into the interview? Let's do it. Doug Evans has been a pioneer in the plant-based health movement for over 20 years. He co-founded Organic Avenue and was the founder of Juicero. Doug encourages others to achieve their greatest health potential by taking control of how and what they are consuming. His new book, The Sprout Book, seeks to educate people on the ancient wisdom of sprouts as a food source. It's a transformative blueprint to an accessible and affordable plant-based way of eating that can be accomplished anywhere, from luxury kitchens to camper vans. Currently living in the California desert, he sprouts daily and grows a majority of his food in his own countertop garden. He is creating a radical shift in wellness through his discussion of growing sprouts and their healing benefits. Let's go ahead and bring Doug onto the show. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh, good. Yeah, so have we. Um, you're, I got to say that uh, this is Larissa, and I, I got to say that sprouts are not something that I'm really familiar with, um, but I'm excited to learn more. Yeah, well, look, I think, you know, I wrote the book because I think sprouts are for everybody. Oh, I do too. I do too. And we're, we're definitely going to talk about that. But before we do, can you tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Sure. I was born and raised in New York City. Um, I ate the standard American diet um, for most of my life until I was in my mid-30s. And then um, I was eating cooked food, processed food, refined food, junk food. I remember my last meal um, it was raining in Chinatown and I was with my friend and we were hungry and in a rush and we ordered a whole duck that was hanging in the window. And then we didn't even wait for them to chop it up. We devoured it on the steps in the rain. Um, and then we went to little Italy for pastries. And so that's like where my mindset was for food. And then my aunt got diabetes and they chopped off both of her feet below her ankles 
And then my uncle got heart disease and my other uncle got heart disease. And then my mother died of stomach cancer and my father heart disease. And my brother, who's still alive and kicking, has had three strokes, a heart attack, um, and all sorts of other diabetic, um, uh, obesity, so all sorts of challenges. And when I saw that, I thought uh, that I was genetically cursed. And that um, prompted me to either get my affairs in order or to start researching what I could do um, to deal with the fact of these um, health issues that um, plagued my immediate family. And in a two-week period um, in 1999, I went to the Big Apple Vegetarian Society, and then I learned about um, veganism, and then I learned about the whole food, raw, vegan diet. And, you know, I've never really looked back. That's just been my, my journey. How hard was that for you? Was it, was it hard or was it, you, did you have a strong enough why, I guess, to, that you just went all in? I had a really strong why, right? Originally, to me, it was about survival. And I looked at the food kind of being in New York, it's a very harsh environment. And I looked at the food and I remember my early teachers and my early doctors made it abundantly clear to me. And this is a mantra that I still recite today is that everything you put in your mouth is a life or death decision, right? You each, you know, if you ate too much salt, you could die, right? If you had a, a cup of salt, you know, it could cause death. And so I looked at everything that I was eating. And then immediately, once I was kind of tuned in and turned on to the power of plant foods, it was easy to look at something and go, oh, this isn't a fresh raw plant. I don't know what this is. And, you know, I remember um, looking at the ingredients of bread um, once I started to read labels and see that there were 20 or 30 ingredients on that. And then, you know, realizing, wow, I thought like when I was in, in school, they were making bread with three ingredients, right? Sourdough, you know, flour and salt. Like what, what, why are, you know, why is all this? So once I had that why, um, it became very easy to filter something and say, is this fresh, ripe, raw, organic fruit, vegetable, seed, nut, or seaweed? or sprout. And if it wasn't, then I put in the category of not for me. Yeah, that that is powerful what you said, that everything you put in your mouth is a life or death decision. When you said that, I just, that's so true. That's so true. And your body tells you a lot. Also, once you start tuning in, I know that once I started tuning in and stopped shoving a lot of processed foods, I just started to feel different. My, my brain started to feel different. My body started to feel different. And again, that's not to say that we're, we're perfect. Um, but when I do eat better, I definitely feel differently. And I'm, I, I'm more in tune with that personally. Oh, look, yeah, I think, and it doesn't even take that long. Right. You can feel that. And, you know, with every um, positive decision that you make, you actually feel better. Like I remember going through and saying to myself, okay, how can I get through this day, right? Just for today, how do I get through today? What am I going to eat? And I was like, okay, what do I like? And I loved watermelon. 
Um, so I would eat as much watermelon as I could until I was not hungry or I was full. And then, you know, about an hour or two later, I was hungry and I was like, oh, what else do I love? Oh, I love, you know, honeydew. So I would eat a whole honeydew when in the past I might've had a slice of honeydew or chunks of honeydew. And here I was eating, you know, this two pound or three pound whole fruit. And that was it. Like just doing what I knew was what did I love? What was available? Yeah, that takes a mindset shift as well, because I'm like you said, this you get a you're used to having a sliver. For me, that meat was always being from Texas, born and raised in Texas. Meat was at the center of the plate. Everything else was a side, including fruit. You didn't, you know, or as we're about to talk about sprouts, those were on the side, topping off something to make it look pretty. It wasn't really like the meal. Oh my God. I agree a hundred percent. If I did not have meat, chicken, fish for dinner, you know, or it could have been turkey or duck. If I didn't have that, I thought that I was going to become emaciated and starve. Like I had to have those. <laughs> yeah. And I had to have bread, pizza, pasta, potatoes, French fries, some sort of starch. So like that was the world that I lived in and that I looked at salad as like, you know, rabbit food. Like, you know, like I could never be full on a salad. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your current living situation. So you, you had mentioned um, New York, but you're living in California now, right? Right. About three years ago, I moved to the Mojave Desert near Joshua Tree. And because I wanted to be away from, you know, the cities. Turns out it was a really smart move. Looks like it was a smart move with what's going on in the world today. Then it looked <laughs> yeah. a little crazy. And the, the, the realization for me is I want to be in nature. I want to breathe good quality air. I want to sleep without hearing um, noise pollution. I wanted no light pollution. I wanted to see the stars and the galaxy. And um, so when I moved here, the biggest awakening I had to my decision was that I was in not only the desert, I was in a food desert. That there were no vegan restaurants within, you know, um, I don't know, 50, 60 miles from here and maybe longer. There was, there was no health food store, no Whole Foods, you know, within an hour and 15 minute drive. So then I was, you know, almost second guessing, what did I do? Like, what am I, how am I going to live here? What am I going to do to eat? And that's when the sprouts hit me from the perspective of survival food. And I'd been sprouting for 25 years, but for the entire 25 years, I always looked at sprouts as a garnish, right? Or as hippie food. And um, I never thought of it as real food. But out of survival, um, I was drawn to sprouts. And I'll fast forward 30 days later, 50% of my calories were coming from sprouts that I was growing on my own by myself within one cubic foot, right? So I had six big 64 ounce jars going and I was able to grow um, every day 
about 50% of my calories and the rest were fruit. And that's what like the shift happened in my brain that I could actually feel not only like I, I'm eating healthy food, but I actually could feel satiated and feel healthy and content with eating the sprouts. And that was the, the, the biggest mind shift that I've ever had food-wise in my whole life. Well, first of all, moving to the desert is incredible. I mean, I, I can imagine the challenges that that, that posed, um, but also the satisfaction. But then as far as satisfaction goes, I think when you realize that you can, you, you know, you didn't have the the available resources. And then when you came to that realization that you could do that yourself, and I, I can just imagine how, what an accomplished feeling that must have been. Oh, it was, you know, it, it made me feel for the first time liberated from kind of the, the, the trappings of society that I felt that my land is already off the water grid. So if I could get off the water grid, which means like my water is coming from a spring, um, and the, um, you know, it's going back into the ground through septic and cause we don't have sewers here, but if I could grow my own food and that was the miracle of sprouting that in the past I'd never grown anything. Like if someone wanted to give a death sentence to a house plant, they'd give it to me. Right. And so I did not have a green thumb. Right. So, but sprouts seemed to be like, I couldn't screw it up. And once I was able to see how easy it was for sprouting, I felt so liberated from the trappings of society and commerce and commodification and brands like it was me, seeds, and nature. Moving into more of a plant-based lifestyle in 2013, there was so many things that were open to us that when you're just kind of locked into this meat-centric processed food, the typical sad American sad diet, right? This this or the sad diet. You know, people say people sometimes think of plant-based diet as limiting, and it's so not that. And, and especially with us, there was so many things open to us, and one of those was the idea of sprouting. Now we haven't sprouted ourselves. I don't think we've sprouted ourselves yeah. ever, <laughs> but um, for those who might not, but I'm going to, as I mentioned to you, Doug. After I read your book, I was so pumped to do that that I uh, went out to the the place you recommended, one of the places you recommended, and got me some uh, sprouting seeds. So we'll be doing that later this week. But um, for folks who aren't familiar with this process, can you explain just at a high level what it is, like how how you do this, and and how you can because we're the same boat that you just said. We have two house plants that we've had for some years now, but we had more than that at one time. And so we don't do so well with some of that. We don't have exactly a green thumb either. So for folks out there, can you just explain uh, what sprouting is? Sure. So basically, um, without sprouting, there would be no life on this planet, right? No, you know, no human life because all seeds need to sprout in their journey to become mature um, trees and vegetables. Um, so it's on their process. For the greater portion of civilization, 
sprouting is an invisible stage that happens um, to these seeds. So if we back up and we look at what is a seed, right? A seed contains the reproductive organs of the plants. And seeds may look like pebbles or rocks. They're in a hard state and they're dry. And seeds are complete living organisms in a dormant state. So therefore, seeds can last not only for days, weeks, months, years, literally centuries. And that's how nature survives. So every plant, in order to reproduce itself, bears seeds. Some seeds that you have all heard of, and I'll, I'll be confident in saying that, you've heard of sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. And those seeds people eat, right? And it's familiar. Oh, I'm going to have pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds. Some exotic athletes may eat chia seeds. So sprouting are taking seeds in the way that I use sprouting um, as, a, as a definition and part of the vocabulary. Sprouting is when we're taking predominantly vegetable seeds and we are soaking them to germinate them. And then we're eating them within the first week. And that's basically the how I would refer or define sprouting to mainstream people. And the seeds that have been familiar for sprouting in contemporary society in the US, maybe even in Texas, are alfalfa seeds, right? Alfalfa sprouts, mung bean sprouts, and perhaps sunflower sprouts. So those were the three popular ones that I was familiar with and had been sprouting for 25 years. And when I wrote the book, I wrote about 28 different seeds, beginning with arugula and azuki and broccoli and radish and cabbage and kale and all sorts of peas and legumes and hemp. And it turns out at the highest level that these seeds, when soaked for a relatively short amount of time, right, call it average eight hours, and then rinsed with water once or twice a day, will multiply in size five times, 10 times their size and volume and start to go from a dry dormant seed into food. So and it, it sounds to me like it's probably pretty affordable. Is that the case? Is it pretty cost effective? I mean, you know, here, here's the thing that sprouts are so efficient that on the cost basis, if you want to refer to dollars in cost, you can grow a pound of sprouts for 20 cents, 30 cents. And if you were to buy sprouts or even buying organic vegetables, right? And, you know, you live in Texas, um, you know, what, is it, what does it cost for the organic mixed greens um, for uh, the four ounce container? A lot. Yeah, it's pricey. <laughs> it's probably around three or four dollars. At least that's what it is 
you know, in the nearest grocery store um, for me. And yeah, at least. Yeah. Right. And if you were to look at um, a three ounce little container of sprouts, it's the same thing. It's three to five dollars in the grocery store. And by the way, to me, it's a bargain at three to four dollars because I know what's packed into it. Um, but you can literally grow those three ounces of sprouts for with a tablespoon of seeds. And so the, the economics for sprouting really make it accessible for everybody. The first podcast I did with the presidential candidate, and I don't want to talk about politics, but the former presidential Democratic candidate, Marianne Williamson, who wrote the book, Return to Love, very powerful woman, was about food poverty and food equality. How people would always say to me, oh, Doug, you're an elitist. You're drinking you know, $10 cold pressed green juices and eating in vegan restaurants and blah, blah, blah. I can't afford that. And now you can grow your own vegetables. Like I don't go to the grocery store and buy vegetables anymore. I grow them in the form of sprouts. So that was like another light bulb going off. Sprouts are vegetables. Sprouts are food. And you can take these seeds. And the other ancillary benefits of these are that they are fresher, right? Like you get to control um, how, how, what sprouts you're growing and when you're going to harvest them. So, you know, people ask me, Doug, how do I store my sprouts? And I go, I rarely store my sprouts. I'm growing enough sprouts so that I'm eating a fresh harvest almost every day. And like right, that, so you store them in your digestive system. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm growing them to eat, right? Because the right. growing equipment, you know, basically there's a chapter in my book and we'll get to, you know, the sprout book uh, in a moment, but it's a chapter in the book um, called Junkyard Dog, which was basically how I was using things that were on their way to the landfill, on their way to the recycle bin that I would wash and clean and sterilize and not sophisticated sterilizing, wiping them with vinegar or hydrogen peroxide or something, and then using them as a vessel for sprouting. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Forager Project. Family-owned and operated Forager Project crafts 100% organic dairy-free yogurts, kefirs, milks, and sour cream using their hero ingredient... Organic cashews. Which make the creamiest, most delicious base for all of their products. Now, I posted a photo of a couple of their products that I was trying in our close Facebook group, the Peas and Carrots Society. And I asked our community members if they had tried any of their products. And boy, I got a lot of responses from folks that not only tried their products, but loved their products. For vegetarians and listeners, Forager is offering a special limited offer coupon for a free, free cup of yogurt. To get your coupon, go to foragerproject.com forward slash cultivate health. And while you're there, you can check out hundreds of delicious and easy to make dairy free recipes that they have. Cultivate health with Forager Project. Always organic, always plant based. Let good food be. And now back to the show. So do you grow 
your own vegetables as well to produce the seeds that you sprout? I, I mean, it's in the it's in the the roadmap and in the plan. Right now, I'm buying my seeds, I'm sprouting them, and I'm eating them. And you know, before COVID hit, I was already buying my seeds in bulk. And once COVID hit, I started to buy in extra bulk. So I used to buy in two and a half and five pound containers. And now I buy 35 pound um, jugs and 50 pound bags of seeds. Right. And that makes sense if that's, you know, a majority of your diet. Yeah. Well, it, it also like, you know, I don't know what it was like in Texas, but in the time that I recorded the ritual podcast in June, there were protests and rioting going on in LA. People were fighting over toilet paper. Um, but there wasn't a kind of a, a crunch um, in the major food supply system, right? But if you think about the long shelf life of seeds and that, you know, the if all you need to do is add water, it kind of makes sense to store a lot of seeds, especially if you're buying them in bulk, um, you're getting better pricing. So let me ask you this, Doug, what do you tell people that say, there's no way I could get filled up on sprouts? I would say that they are living in a nightmare and that they um, should wake up and <laughs> wake up and the nightmare will be over. And it's all about personal choice. But I'll give you an example. One cup of garbanzo beans soaked and sprouted are 380 calories in one cup of garbanzo beans. So any of the legumes, the peas, the lentils, the chickpeas, they will all be very heavy in calories, in protein, in fiber. So what happens is that there's never been a Super Bowl commercial for sprouts. And <laughs> right? So yeah, and there should be. There, well, there should be. And sprouts have um, grown sprouts have a very short shelf life. So there hasn't even really been, at least as far as I know, a national produce company or a national sprout company selling produce, selling sprouts. So if you think about what drives our media, what drives distribution, um, it's all about profit and branding and advertising. So I remember, you know, if you look at the main ingredient in carbonated sugary beverage, like the ones in the orange can or the blue and white can with the red on it, um, main ingredient is water and then high fructose corn syrup, and they're going into a can. And if they're selling that for 50 cents, the water has no cost. The can is a few pennies. Most of the money is going into advertising. And so without being political, um, no one knows about that. But if you were to take sesame seeds, which sprout very easily and make a sesame paste, and I don't know how you guys feel on vegetarian Zen about 
um, fermentation and pickling things. But mm -hmm. for me, um, if you take tahini, which is a sesame paste, easy to make, easy to buy, and add like a pickle brine or sauerkraut brine to that, you can make a dressing that has both fat and salt in it and add whatever um, herbs and spices you like. And that will virtually cover the flavor of any sprout. Just anything um, will be dominated by the fat of the tahini and the, the flavoring. And um, I can tell you for the last, see, I think the last 16 days, my dinner every night has been raw, uh, tahini, raw nori seaweed and a big sprout salad with tahini dressing. And I will throw in some tomatoes from the market, farmer's market, some fresh carrots, um, some baby cucumbers, and that's my dinner. Um, and it's been the same dinner. And so I'm looking for variety and stimulation outside of my plate. But I will tell you, my wife and my brother, you know, um, look and they go, Doug, how is that? I'm like, oh my God, it's incredible. I love it. And I will eat, eat it with joy. And, you know, they, they're looking at me, you know, and they're both vegan and, but they eat, you know, more cooked vegan food. And they, we always have a salad and I share my salads with them and we always have sprouts, but it's just a matter of, of, of choosing, you know, am I eating this because I want to eat it? Or am I eating this because someone has brainwashed me or profited from me or is exploiting me and making me eat it? Like, is it my free will? And when I realized that my free will did not choose to have this, and I realized how addicted I was in the past to ice cream and to pizza and to pasta and to you know burgers and steak, like I really like, I mean, I could still remember today, you know, what my meal was at McDonald's. I'd get a nine piece um, chicken McNugget, a double quarter pounder with cheese, a large fries, a vanilla shake, a large Coke, and um, one or the other or both an apple pie and the hot fudge sundae or hot caramel sundae. Sometimes I'd have some variety. And like now I can't even fathom that. But then like if I didn't have all that and if I didn't have the money or they didn't have those things, I'd be angry. And, and then after I would eat that as crazy as it was, all those calories, I was, you know, who knows how many calories that was. I was still hungry. I could still eat and I'd be nauseous and I'd still want to eat. And I, you know, thank goodness I, I've gotten past that, but I have a lot of compassion to, to knowing like how addictive food is. Yeah, it is. And like you said, a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is just bad habits too, that I think about trying to break myself of just 
after eating supper, for example, just going for something sweet, just not because I need that, but because it's just the habit. And one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking in, and as I read uh, when I read your book was, especially right now, I think this would be so much fun to do with kids, like to have uh, to with parents homeschooling, uh, even if we weren't doing that, but especially right now when uh, parents are homeschooling, how fun it would be to have them, you know, grow their own food, learn to grow their own food, learn about the health benefits of these and then to eat it uh, and to and to get the nutrition from it. I was thinking that would just be a lot of fun. And that would be a really good way to get those that type of intercept that kind of mindset that we, you know, going to the McDonald's for the kids meal kind of thing um, earlier rather than having to deal with it later. Yeah. Well, look, I think that kids are really, really smart and the, they want to learn, they want to be curious, they want the stimulation and the earlier you can expose them to nature and the miracles of nature and the mysteries of nature, um, the, just the better it is for them. And so I have so many parents sending me pictures of their kids, you know, from two years old and up, you know, eating sprouts, growing sprouts, marveling at sprouts. And it's something that everyone can do because we, we haven't said this before. I can't believe it yet, but you can grow sprouts in a glass jar or a plastic jar, I prefer glass, and water without soil, without sunshine, without special lighting or special equipment. Like the, the key equipment you need for sprouting, right? Number one equipment in the world is like a mason jar and some cheesecloth. And then you get the sprouting seeds, add water, you soak them, and by soaking them, you're removing the enzyme inhibitors and you are triggering nature to do the rest. Like the water will create the environment for the seeds to wake up out of their dormant state and start to germinate. And then you basically want to rinse the seeds twice a day so that they're getting the right amount of water so that, because they need the water, but you don't want to drown them so that's why you strain them out with the cheesecloth or the metal screen. And then like, they're just going to double in size. And as they grow, they're increasing volume. And we haven't talked about the environment either. And, but I'll just throw this out quickly. Um, maybe you can answer the, the question and this isn't a trick question, um, but approximately how many gallons of water does it take to prepare one pound of beef for human consumption. Oh, I used to know this, but I have no clue anymore. 5,000 gallons. Oh my gosh. Because the wow. cow drinks water and the, the, all the grain that you need to feed that cow. Um, oh yeah. Um, every day, right. Needs to eat every day. Um, so that process, it takes about 5,000 gallons of water to prepare one pound of beef. And to, to grow a head of broccoli, and I'm all for broccoli, but to water that broccoli every day for the 100 days, we'll use about 50 gallons of water. To grow a pound of broccoli sprouts 
can take between one and five gallons of water. So it's one one thousand difference, yeah. One one thousandth the amount of you know water resources that you have, and so I think that you know if you ask me, once I got the insight that sprouting was for real, and that no one was promoting it because people weren't profiting from it, and it was much easier because we live in this instant gratification society. And I said, I'm going to write the book on sprouts and I'm going to share that message. And that's my message. Sprouting is accessible. It's affordable. It's super nutritious. And, you know, I look at sprouts in three categories. Number one, sprouts are vegetables. Therefore, sprouts are food. Number two, sprouts are vitamins. So as opposed to taking multivitamins and protein powders and supplements, you can grow your own vitamins using sprouts. And three, sprouts are a medicine. There were 1,500 research papers on broccoli sprouts alone and the healing properties, anti-cancer properties of broccoli sprouts alone and how they're being used to treat autism, how they're used to extract benzene from the lungs of smokers and people who've been damaged um, through smoking and pollution. And um, like, unbelievably, the number one treatment in the world for autism is broccoli sprouts, not a cure, but the treatment that there's something in the broccoli sprouts and in the glucoraphanin and sulforaphane, which causes the consumer of those to trigger the heat shock proteins, which have been proven to lessen the symptoms of autism. So to me, you know, autism is a, autism is a big problem in America. Clearly, um, you know, uh, diabetes is a problem. And if you look at sprouts as medicine, Sprouts can literally be helpful in treating almost every acute and chronic illness there is. I wanted to ask you about the seeds. The seeds you buy, these are specifically sprouting seeds, correct? Yes. These are, you know, sprouting seed is a label, right? So uh -huh. they're called sprouting seeds, but basically they're seeds that have been packaged and tested for sprouting. So there's a degree of extra um, curation of those seeds. So sprouting seeds are typically fresher and they've been tested for high germination rate and they've been tested for pathogens. But I will say in many parts of the world, sprouting seeds aren't uh, like marketed. They're not a thing and people are doing fine sprouting them. So I don't want to stand on ceremony. But if, if I'm introducing someone to sprouting and they're living you know, in America, I would recommend that they buy seeds that are organic, that are um, designed for sprouting. And are there any seeds that are harder to grow than any other? Are there, uh, just like vegetables, are there some that are harder or, or I don't want to say harder, but a little more trickier too, or are they pretty much all the same? I mean, believe it or not, like, the, the same way it's hard for my brain to fathom that 
a chihuahua is the same, you know, species of canine as a Great Dane, right? Um, when you look at certain seeds, they behave entirely different, entirely different. So, you know, in my book, I break them down into different areas, but there's gelatinous seeds like arugula, chia, and flax. And those seeds, when they get wet, they start to become like almost like a gel, AKA the gelatinous. Um, there's the garden variety, like the broccoli and radish and clover and, um, and alfalfa. And those garden ones are very thin in, in the leaves. And then there's the legumes, the peas and the lentils and the, the various beans, garbanzo beans, et cetera. And they, they all require a slightly different technique. Um, but it's a matter of just taking your time and following the directions. Look, there's a lot of information in my book. And the reason I wrote the book is because a lot of that information was scattered all over the world. So I did primary research setting up my sprout lab in the desert because it gave me something um, passionate to do. And I wanted the information for myself. So even in the audio version of my book, um, we did a, a PDF attachment so people can download um, the guides to see um, how long for each seed and which technique. And there's many techniques for sprouting. You can sprout in jars. You could sprout in trays. You could use soil. You could use unbleached paper towels. You could use a dedicated sprouting medium like hemp fiber or jute fiber or coconut fiber. Or you can even use a sock or a hemp bag or a pillowcase to soak the, the seeds. So the, the main thing that you're doing is you are simulating what occurs in nature in a controlled environment. And you basically become the shepherd of those seeds going from the transformation from seed to sprout. Well, that is awesome. And I, like I said, I am really excited to get going on that this week. We're probably going to do a few videos for our community just so they can see us on this, this uh, new experiment of our own to see how that goes. Hopefully they won't suffer a fate of some of our previous house plant guests. <laughs> yeah. But, well, uh, the, yeah. You, we're, eat them, you eat them quick enough, right? Don't leave them lying around yeah. and you'll eat them and you'll get victory. And the good thing also about sprouts is that you can eat them literally on day one, day two, you know, the, the day after you sprout them, you know, it's just non-familiar because people aren't used to eating um, things that early, but sprouts are very nutritious, you know, from day one. So we've learned a ton about sprouting. And again, your book is such a great reference. You even uh, have some recipes there, which uh, look very delicious. So we'll be trying those out once we get uh, our own little sprout garden going. Any final thoughts, Doug, on sprouting that you'd like to share with our folks? I, I want to share that I didn't invent sprouting. Sprouting has been around since the beginning of time. There's a ton of information around sprouting. And I can't think of a more positive action that people can take of all races, economic backgrounds, geographic locations 
that they could do for their own health. So I think sprouting is inclusive. It's for everybody. It's easy. It's affordable. It's delicious. It's nutritious. Like it's, it's one of the few things that doesn't have a downside. So I welcome, you know, people to, to research it on their own, but you know, on this journey, I wrote the book. It came out in April, my little paperback book, right? That's in a niche format, right? Like sprouting is a real niche of a niche is in the sixth printing and is consistently in the top 25,000 of all books on Amazon out of millions and millions of books. So I think it's striking a chord and you know, I love it. I love seeing people sprouting. I love seeing people growing their own food and I love people to be healthy. Yeah. I think especially right now where, you know, we're going through this pandemic and everything. I think people are really starting to take their health a lot more seriously. And we've seen it too, even in the time that we've been podcasting since 2013, when we first became plant-based and seeing all the changes that have been uh, going on even in that short period of time. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, this this will be catching on. Oh, terrific. It it is already catching on. It's snowballing. And I love it. Well, well Doug, can you uh, let folks know where the best place to find you is? We will have links to those in the show notes, but if you can just let folks where would be uh, the best places to find you. Yeah, I communicate um, mostly right now on Instagram at Doug Evans, D-O-U-G-E-V-A-N-S. And I'm, I, I created a little website I'm putting more and more information on there called thesproutbook.com and they could sign up for my newsletter and I'm going to be sharing more and more information about Sprouts as it becomes available. Doug, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for uh, educating us on this and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Vicki, Larissa, thank you. You guys are doing incredible work. It's such a privilege to be on here and a pleasure to meet you. So keep up the work. I can just imagine how much love and energy and effort you put into creating vegetarian Zen. And, you know, I just hope you keep doing it. Thank you so much. It's very nice of you to say that does mean an awful lot. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, I learned a lot from that interview. I, you know, I had had sprouts in the past as most people I think have, but I didn't know how amazing they were. I really didn't. Well, I know. And, you know, normally when we think of sprouts, I mean, at least when I think of sprouts, I think of like the mung bean sprouts that you get at the salad bar at, you know, whatever restaurant or that, that you um, put on your, in your Chinese food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's More it. of an afterthought, right? Yeah. So this was really good. I, I And as we... Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be doing some sprouting ourselves, and I'm really excited about that. It feels like a cool little experiment that I want to try, and I hope it catches on for us because I, I really do think this would be a great addition to our nutrition, to our new, our daily nutrition. So hopefully that catches on. I think that does it for our episode this week. Until next time, peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.